When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Rosie and Carmen from Barnes UK, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs with host Martin Popoff, a production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Well, hello once again. This is Martin Popoff back for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased as always to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Podbay, for the uh, 40 other podcast platforms. All right. Um, so this episode, uh, this is episode 113. I'm calling this the last great N-W-O-B-H-M albums, the last great new wave of British heavy metal albums. This comes from a discussion I was having with Pete Pardo at Sea of Tranquility about when does the new wave of British heavy metal end? Um, now, for my for my trilogy of uh, of new album books, uh, you know, well, actually all of them, the timeline, including the uh, the reviews book, Smoke and Valves, I closed off the new wave of British heavy metal in 1984. But I'm going to break that rule a little bit here because I want to discuss the ways in which the new wave of British heavy metal ended. So this is going to be a mix of 1984 and 1985 albums that heralded the slamming of the door on the new wave of British heavy metal. But before I get there, I wanted to mention a few comments that came in about the last episode, 112, which was about self-produced albums. Uh, Joe Becht writes, interesting episode. I think the Gene and especially Paul producing Kiss applies more to Hot in the Shade, Sonic Boom, Monster, and where the first has a sound and direction issue and the latter two have sound and quality issues. Uh, Hot in the Shade is just a hodgepodge that has some good songs, sounds like shit, and has way too many filler demo type songs. Sonic Boom is okay, but needs a producer. Monster has the dreaded, everything is way too loud in the mix. Uh, let's see, Brian Paul writes, uh, he also produced Animal Lies, uh, Monster, maybe worse. Let's see, uh, Dean Doherty writes, I was today, uh, learned that Hot in the Shades, wow, thanks man, okay. Um, and, uh, and Dean writes, uh, Eddie Van Halen with OU812 and uh, Van Halen 3. Interesting. Um, you know, I guess Eddie eventually was good enough to be a self-producer, but maybe not a self-editor. Um, let's see. Um, Steve Polari writes, uh, Mott the Hoople's Wildlife was self-produced. They were hoping to get away from Guy Stevens after their debut and second album failed to go anywhere. It's a very limp, flat-sounding album. They promptly brought back Stevens for Brain Capers. Interesting. Uh, their Satanic Majesty request by the Stones was their self-produced album. They had broken away from Andrew Lug Oldham. I like this album, but it was slagged in the press, which considered it a knockoff of Sgt. Pepper's. Pretty interesting. All right. That's all I wanted to mention there. Um, let's move on here. So 
yes, sat into the new wave British heavy metal. And again, like many of these episodes, um, I'm going to kind of enhance the understanding of this uh, issue with some honorable mentions at the end. But let's take a listen to our first track and we'll discuss. This is Samson with Love Hungry. Good old Samson. So this is 1984. This is following up a 1982 album. The 1982 album was their first with Nicky Moore on vocals. Love the guy. Big voice. You know, it was kind of like a big fat guy. Maybe he didn't really look the part, but he had this great big bluesy powerful voice. Um, I think there are better best songs on Before the Storm, but um, this is uh, a surprisingly heavier album and i really like the example of this one so it's don't get mad get even right 1984 they did a really cool photo shoot in front of a big bomber plane on the cover it looks really classy um good heavy album throughout as you can tell by this song um but you know paul Sampson always had that um that more traditional 70s vibe with the new wave of british heavy metal but it's pretty interesting that here in 1984 they're they're making a pretty heavy album and he, and he's you know he you would think he'd be a guy who is looking for these alternate directions but he doesn't pursue it. This is a great album you should check this out. Um I just thought it was a good classy mature kind of record. 1984's uh, Samson Don't Get Mad Get Even. Sadly, we lost Paul Samson August 9th, 02 he died and also their bassist Chris Elmer died uh, January 9th, 2007. So two of the uh the four guys in this band it was filled out by Nicky Moore on vocals and Pete Jupp on drums uh, are gone after this um, Nicky Moore is not on the next one and um, you know uh, they, they basically go downhill they go in a little bit of a hair bandy direction I, I suppose uh, across some of that stuff but and and obviously their best album just to reiterate is Shock Tactics the Bruce Dickinson uh, one well Bruce is on the first three but that's the one where he does an amazing amazing job and that's such a great album um so there you go um take a listen to this now this is our second track speaking of bruce this is iron maiden with back in the village All right, so this is uh, <clears throat> the band's, you know, obviously these certifications come later, but this is their third platinum album, which is kind of cool. Um, so yeah, Power Slave is a platinum album. I wanted to pick Maiden because I've always said that Maiden totally fits this idea of the new wave British heavy metal. They still sound like a new wave British heavy metal band now in 2021 with these two new songs that have been out at this point. Um, but this came out in September 84, and it says just as new wave of, of British heavy metal, 
metal as the as Iron Maiden or Killers or Number or Peace of Mind. Really, um, great song. This is a little little bit of a deeper track, um, but I just love the way that um, you know they are such quintessential British ambassadors and doing this sound. And here we are, you know, it, late in the new wave of British heavy metal, yet they are still sounding like it's 1982, and they're doing great at it and they're leaving Britain and touring the States regularly and becoming a big band. But uh, this is a great album, explosive, dangerous, wild. It's almost even looser than Peace of Mind, which I kind of like about it. So I just thought um, it's a great choice for, um, you know, the title of this episode is The Last Great New Wave of British Heavy Metal Albums. This is certainly a great New Wave of British Heavy Metal album. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. All right, back again here, episode 113, the last great new wave of British heavy metal albums. Take a listen to this and we'll discuss. This is Chateau with Highly Strong. All right, I had to pick Chateau because um, I just thought this is such a weird sort of cultish band. Their first album was Chained and Desperate, 1983. This is a quintessential Ebony band. Ebony Records was a big new wave of British heavy metal label. Um, most of their stuff is produced by Daryl Johnson. There's a, there's a lot of controversy about this guy swindling a bunch of people and uh, you know running off with a bunch of money, blah, blah, blah. But um, he had this great, super electrocuted, uh, fuzzy uh, production sound and and these records I've interviewed a lot of these bands you know that these records are interviewed like in a combination of the guy's dining room and his living room kind of thing uh, so this is where this this uh, the studio was that he was doing all this stuff but anyways Chained to Desperate is kind of interesting because Steve Grimmett from Grim Reaper is on as a quote unquote guest vocalist but after this they essentially get a vocalist that sounds like uh, Steve Grimmett and Chris Mason and they do this album so this is from Highly Strung 1985 so I wanted to pick uh, a late one again um, and this is the follow up to 1984's Firepower and they're all three of them are pretty much the same kind of music just gritty raw you know ebony records cult uh, low budget new wave of British heavy metal so I thought that was a good choice because you know, they are a late band to the game. I'm going to talk about a late band to the game for the next selection too. But, you know, another band that I've always surprised or I'm always surprised at how late to the game are is Venom because Venom's first album is late 1981. People forget that. And then they have an 82 and, and they're also going to be in the honorable mentions here as as still making, you know, very quintessential raw uh, albums uh, when this thing's supposed to be sort of over. But we'll get to that. Um, all right. Take a listen to this next selection. Uh, this is number four, uh, Last Great New Wave British Heavy Metal album. Speaking of Steve Grimmett, Grim Reaper with Never Coming Back.
All right. So the interesting thing here again is that um, I wanted to pick this because it goes with Chateau because this also is recorded by Daryl Johnson and it's an Ebony uh, Records thing. And Grim Reaper is the other band that is late to the game. One of my favorite New Wave of British heavy metal albums of all time is their 1983 album, See You in Hell. Uh, just killer emotive like like a freight train uh steve grimmett's vocals are amazing um but the funny thing about grim reaper is that when they do this second album which is 1985 they're they're still they're still stuck in this daryl johnson ebony zone um you know late late uh in the new wave of british heavy metal like don't forget the new wave of british heavy metal sort of started to the towards the tail end of 1979 and it really the dam burst as uh, as biff would say uh kind of February, March, 1980, where the compilation started coming and Maiden and a bunch of big albums came out in, in, um, in early 1980. So it's been going for quite a while, but I just love the way that Chateau essentially on even 84's Firepower or Highly Strong just sounds like this absolutely rough, elect electrocuted, fuzzy, uh, you know, heads down, meets you at the end sort of new wave of British heavy metal. So I thought, um, you know, uh, did I just say Chateau? I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We're back on Grim Reaper again. So, so yes, Grim Reaper, exactly the same thing. They, they run together so much. And, and, you know, I did that basically because Chris Mason sounds so much like, like um, Steve Grimmett and uh, and these bands are kind of going in tandem. But the last thing I want to mention about uh, Grim Reaper is that um, even when they do their third album, third and last album until years later, Reunion, etc., um, the third album is called Rocky to Hell, and it's actually produced by Max Norman, if you can believe it. But it still sounds like the Grim Reaper of uh, of um, the you know uh, Fear No Evil and See You in Hell. It's it's crazy, and and even the title obviously Rocky to Hell is a is a stupid silly title, but it sounds like See You to Hell. So See You in Hell. So so the funny thing about this whole Grim Reaper thing and the Chateau thing combined is that um, they both bands make three records in a row, and 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 that's it. And then also all three of them are pretty much uncompromisingly the same thing. And all three of them are late. All right, let's move on to our fifth selection. Take a listen to this. This is Heavy Petten with North Winds. All right. So what I love about Heavy Petten as as a cool example in this whole thing about the last great uh, new wave of British heavy metal albums is. So this is a band from up north, Scotland. Um, their first album is this amazing sort of pastiche of essentially uh, a wild and loose version of Def Leppard doing high and dry. Um, the other band I always mention in this uh, in this sort of cabal is Highway Child, um, who who are who do an even better job of this. And I think they were in my last episode or the one before, uh, possibly. Anyways, uh, Highway Child, no, they were. That was another show I was doing. Uh, but Highway Child and Heavy Petten, both H bands, uh, have this 
um, this um, adherence to uh, Def Leppard. They're looking over at Def Leppard. They're seeing success with with the sound that Def Leppard's coming up with. But the wild thing about this one uh, for uh, another 1985 album, Rock Ain't Dead, uh, is that now Heavy Petten has glommed on to um, the, the, the production acumen of Mutt Lang and doing that whole, you know, electronic drums and atmospheric feel. And I think it still works. I think the Rock Ain't Dead album is a really good album. It's not the same wild and loose and more analog metal of, of Let and Loose, but I still think it's a really cool album. And I think that you, uh, you can hear in that, where's my copy of this here? I wanted to mention, um, I think you can hear in that that uh, the band definitely still has a lot of personality, and they do a really good job of this whole um, of this whole Def Leppard pyromania, you know, fool and diehard the hunter sort of drama. Um, but yeah, Hamey on lead vocals, love the guy. Um, Gordon Bonner on guitars. They even have another guitarist called Punky Mendoza. Very, very um, confusingly, obviously, there's a there's an angel guy called that, and Gary Mode on drums. But uh, yeah, and one of the one of the all time coolest live shots is on the back of the um, the Let Loose album. Actually, yeah, that's that's the other thing. I think they um, I think it's called Let Loose. Yeah, that's the funny thing. Yeah, my my Canadian copy is just called Heavy Pet, and it actually doesn't even have Let Loose on it. And I think um, yeah, I think it's called Let Loose in um in the UK. Yeah, the other thing that's really interesting about the first one is that it's uh, produced by Brian May and Mac. I forgot about that. So it has a bit of a Mac sound to it, that that really slappy bass sound on it. And who produces this second one? Uh, recorded at blah, blah, whoa, a lot of different studios. All tracks produced, engineered by Mark Dearnley, except John Jensen. So I don't know who these guys are. So yeah, the first one, uh, ironically, is the more analog one, and it's got a bit of a Mac sound. And this one is the more Mutt Lang one. But even when Heavy Petten does the Mutt Lang thing, they kind of do it in a in a kind of amateurish, loose-bolted sort of style. But I think it works, and it has tons and tons of charm. Um, so there you go. All different examples here. Uh, we've got we've got a a Paul Sampson who's kind of stuck in the 70s and and they don't really make it because he never feels part of this we've got an iron maiden who's a super famous band but ironically they're almost the most new wave of british heavy metal of, of all of them we've got chateau and grim reaper that go together so much that i confused them for a second there um you know I, the the big daryl johnson sound the three albums uh and done kind of thing and we've got heavy petting pointing the way to this whole idea of the new wave of British heavy metal um, being replaced by something. I mean, at, at this point, they're looking at Def Leppard, but at this point, the whole thing is getting replaced by the nascent hair metal scene in California. So you're, you're, so you're getting the rise of uh, of Rat and Doc and, and Grim Reaper and Quiet Ride and those bands. So it's moving over to that. But out of all these, as you can tell, I only pick one that has any sort of kind of like look to the future, and that's the Heavy Petten. Now, honorable mentions. Let's start with 1984. I'm just going to rattle these all off here. And you'll see it was pretty slim pickings. I mean, I really think uh, some of the best new wave of British heavy metal albums ever, um, but the last really, 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 truly great ones are all in 1983. Um, but anyways, 1984 gave us, uh, and forgive me, there's the odd one of these that might be not from uh britain i don't think so i kind of i kind of checked most of them against my smoke and valves book but uh, 
Avenger Blood Sports, Baby Taku Firstborn. So there's one of the bands that's moving forward. Battle Axe, Power to the Universe, still very rough. Black Rose Boys Will Be Boys, still really rough, but a little Def Leppard to them. Blade Runner Hunted, Bronze Taken by Storm. There's there's a you know glossy AOR kind of thing. Uh, Char- Chariot the Warrior, still the old sound. China White Run for Cover, Cloven Hoof, Cloven Hoof. That's one a lot of people like. Dark Heart Shadows of the Night, very amateurish. Deano, Deano, Paul Deano doing kind of a hair medley thing fast way all fired up you may not consider them a a new wave of british heavy metal band but that's still a pretty decent album not as good as the 83 album Helen Back, the Big H, the famous um, uh, UK's version of uh, Van Halen. Holland Early Warning, they are British. Jaguar This Time, there's an interesting case. So here's a band uh, that's giving up their their fast and furious new wave of heavy metal sound of of the Power Games album, and they're moving to a very commercial sound uh, with uh, with this time. Le Griff Break and Strain is only an EP, but I wanted to mention it because it's so good. Maniac Shout It Out. Uh, there's another band that's kind of seeing what's going on in America and moving towards that sound. Uh, uh, Marseille Touch the Night. See, here's Marseille going kind of poppy. Saxon Crusader, not a great album and way lighter than the previous album, the 83 album. Tank, Honor and Blood, still totally heavy and like This Means War, but but really not that good. The songwriting's going downhill. The next one I almost included, Tokyo Blade, Night of the Blade, um, because Tokyo Blade's a really underrated band, uh, very professional. They could have gone places. Good, accessible, but still pretty heavy sound. Uh, Tyson Dog, Beware of the Dog, pretty scrappy. Venom at War with Satan, 1984. So this is the one famously with the whole side of one song, uh, but essentially they haven't really changed their sound uh, since, since Black Metal and Welcome to Hell. Um, Warfare, Pure Filth. They're like the dirty version combination of Motorhead, Tank, and Venom. Uh, Wildfire, Summer Lightning. That's an album I really like. Getting a little commercial. Wolf, Edge of the World, Clueless, Wrathchild, Stack Attack. Famously, uh, Britain's version of uh, Motley Crue. And uh, 1985, we had Angel Witch, Screaming and Bleeding. Uh, Not great. Avenger, Killer Elite. Pretty heavy, not great. Blind Fury, out of reach. So this is kind of wrapped up in that whole, uh, and I think Titan Rough Justice, I think, is wrapped up in this as as well. I'm not sure, but the whole post-Satan, Blitzkrieg kind of world. Blitzkrieg, for that matter, a time of changes. That whole story, I would have to uh, deconstruct because I always get it confused. Um, uh, Maniacs has another one, Going for Gold. So their second album is 85. Raven Stay Hard. This is their famously kind of going downhill at this point. Savage Hyperactive is your exact same situation as Jaguar, where they make a scorching, scorching classic in 1983, but Hyperactive is kind of a disaster. 85, Saxon is also back with Innocence is No Excuse. Not great. Uh, Tokyo Blade even has another album, Black Hearts and Jaded Spades, which is really good. Again, I could have included those guys. Uh, Tobruk, Wild on the Run. That's another one of these commercially ones, I believe. Tigers of Pantang, The Wreckage. Famously, they this is their second very, very commercial album uh, in a row. They had The Cage before that. Um, and, the, and the first two, or the first three are all very squarely New Wave of British Heavy Metal. But so here, here you're seeing in a lot of these examples, a lot of these UK bands are trying, half of these bands are doing what they always did, which is either, you know, one version of New Wave British Heavy Metal or even the heavier heavier version. So some of these bands are starting to 
heavy up a little bit, like a combination of Venom and maybe looking over at Metallica and Anthrax and things like that, maybe Anvil, um, and starting to actually get a little heavier, the same way punk moved into hardcore and oi and all that, right? Um, So some of them are doing that, but, uh, but a whole bunch of these British bands are also trying by 1985 and late 84, trying to do uh, a sellout commercial AOR radio, whatever you want to call it, nascent version of electronic drums. And it, it, and every single one of them falls flat on their face. Like the, like none of these bands translate. Um, you know, I've often said like, okay, why did all these bands fail? Like one of the reasons they all failed is that a, they're from the UK and they're from a whole different sensibility, but B, you know, none of them wanted to move to LA and, and, and like immerse themselves into that scene and get better making that kind of music. So they were isolated and it was usually kind of like a one and done and, and off, you know, shuffled off in the, in the embarrassing zone. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, Titan Rough Justice, Venom Possessed. So Venom basically makes another album that's pretty, pretty darn good. And it, it sounds essentially like black metal. Uh, they got a lot of heck for it at the time. And then, um, Finally, Wasted, The Good, The Bad, The Wasted. So Wasted had an 83 album, and here they are with an 85. They don't really fit in the New Wave British Heavy Metal either because it's a bunch of old veterans, right, UFO-related. Um, so there you go. I mean, I, this was a long list of albums I could have included in here, and I really don't believe most of these albums are really all that good at all. So, you know, the New Wave of British Heavy Metal purists would probably start saying it's all over by 82. Um you know, 83 is a sensible year to end it. But like I say, in my trilogy of those books, which I believe I still have all three of them available here in the office. So Smoke and Valves, uh, Wheels of Steel, and This Me- this Means War. Uh, the second and the third. The, the one is reviews of every single and every album that ever came out in the New Wave British Heavy Metal. So 900 records total. And the other two are, are timeline with quotes. That's kind of like the oral history of the thing. And I ended it in 1984. So that's my point there. Um all right. So there you go. I uh, hope you liked this episode. I mean, I consider this almost like a little bit of a downer episode to basically say it kind of started fizzling after 83 and there's not much left to it already in 84 and certainly in 85. So those people who go that far, uh, really, there's there's just not a lot of fun left in the new wave British heavy metal, I think, after the end of 1983 to sum up. Uh, if you like this episode and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi rhymes with no fee.com slash martin popoff hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint it was a little light this week and i i just found out today i'm doing this episode actually early but i i found out today uh i got an email from someone saying that for some reason the audio screwed up in terms of the loading and um it wasn't actually up at a whole bunch of different platforms the last episode episode 112 uh, self-produced album. So it might be a little light because of that, because it looks like maybe I disappeared. I'm not sure. But anyways, uh, I have some faithful uh, uh, contributors here uh, to mention. Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, Joe Becht at Bel Air, Expediting Bruce Campbell, Andrew Clark, Lee Clifford, David Fisher, Brian Sager, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, and Steve Paleri. Thank you very much. Uh, and as always, I'll mention uh, martinpopoff.com. 
for all your book needs. I will have the Yes Visual Biography and the Nazareth Visual Biography in a couple of weeks, uh, which puts that at around, uh, what, September, early September 2021, I believe the year is. Um, so there you go. Go play some of this new wave of British heavy metal, this sunset year stuff. Uh, let me know what you think over at our Facebook page. Uh, bye for now. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.